Hello and welcome to this episode of Leadership Guest Practices with me, Jeremy Blaine. And what a treat we have in store for you today. The traditional domination of men in business, in sport, leisure and more is being challenged as female leaders continue to break down old barriers. We've seen this at very senior political levels with female leaders making a real difference tackling the pandemic. Think Iceland, Finland, New Zealand. But there's still a long way to go particularly when turning our attention to those leaders breaking the bias, misogyny and casual gender discrimination in sport, particularly football or soccer, depending on where you are in the world. And this is on the terraces and on the pitches. It can be even tougher in those environments, but what makes it work is when everybody is on the same pitch, playing for the same team in gender biased terms. That means men stepping up as advocates and women's voices being louder and more central to progress, a combination which can start to accelerate the journey. As demonstrated by Lewis Football Club on the edge of the South Downs in the UK, a club I can promise you you will start to hear more of in the future. An enlightened fan and community-owned club that puts diversity, equity and inclusion at the heart of their strategy, their culture and their teams. My guests today are elected co-director of Lewis FC, Karen Dobre, and Joe Vines, the assistant manager of Lewis FC's men's first team from the club management side. Karen, Joe and the team are passionate about kicking gender discrimination, casual misogyny and violence against women and girls into touch. They are active outside of the club in the wider game and with a broad range of organisations with mutual focus and passion for the same. As an example, Lewis FC is the only football club in the world to pay its women the same as its men. The next battle is equalising the terms across other clubs, competitions and more. Karen, Joe and the whole club are behind this 100% as are the 2,300 fan and community club owners locally and from 37 countries across the globe. So let's hear more about that and about their journey. Hello and welcome to this episode of Leadership Guest Practices. I am delighted to be joined by Karen and Joe. Thanks very much for joining me. Karen, let's start with you. Could you introduce yourself, your leadership role at Lewis FC and your passionate stand for breaking the bias? Definitely. Thanks for having us, Jeremy. Um, so my name's Karen Dobre. Um, I'm an elected director at Lewis Football Club. Um, my, in terms of my leadership role, uh, we're an unusual football club in that we have a whole pillar on the leadership role devoted to our impact on the world. Uh, more about that later, but I lead on our impact on the world and I'm involved in our financial sustainability and also in our engagement with our fans and community. Um, and in terms of my stance, in terms of breaking the bias, I just believe that everybody should have a fair chance in life, whether that's uh, on the football pitch or anywhere else. And it shouldn't be dependent on any of their inherent characteristics, such as gender. That's what I believe. <laughs> I love that, Karen. A fair chance for everybody. Beautifully yeah. said. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about the impacts on the world. And maybe now's a great time to bring in Joe to introduce yourself and your role at the club, Joe. And I'd love to know how the men's and women's team are doing actually at the moment at Lewis FC, Joe, and particularly yeah. how you are actively supporting the drive to remove gender discrimination from the terraces and the pitch. Yeah, so Joe Vines, um, I'm the assistant manager of the men's first team. Um, the men's first team at the moment are in fifth place, hanging on to that final playoff position. And the women's team are eighth 
in the women's championship. So, you know, both both sides having a, a relatively good season so far. Um, you know, the men's team are supporting um, with a, a a movement at the moment um, to to really try and address the issues surrounding uh, you know violence and, and misogyny against women. Um, by by pushing forward and and standing firm alongside them as well, so I expect we'll, we'll talk more about that as we progress. Yeah, and it's a very important part of it the the violence against women and girls. It's at the heart of what you're doing, here, Karen. Lewis FC also, from a gender perspective, is the only club in the world to pay its women players the same as its men. How did you make this happen? And what barriers did you have to break down to make it a reality, as well as the rest of the discrimination elements that you were trying to tackle at the same time? Well, <laughs> it's a big story. Um, back in 2000, I'm going to go back to 2009, 2010, just after the global financial crash, when Lewis Football Club actually became community owned uh, uh, in 2010 in order to make it sustainable financially. And it was taken over by six fans who bought it for a nominal fee, paid off all the debts and um, then sold shares in the club for £30 to each person. Um, Everyone who bought a share, and this is still the case, gets one uh, vote as to who should be a director on the board. Uh, Therefore, the board has a democratic mandate. At the moment, we've got 2300 plus owners in 38 countries around the world why is that right why is why are people in chile and japan and um uh, switzerland and recently in the philippines uh, why are they buying shares in lewis fc down in east sussex right um a relatively small club well uh the thing is that in 2016 our women's team were doing fantastically well they were zooming up the leagues and playing brilliantly and directors actually questioned, why are we, when we're uh, apportioning our budget, playing budget, giving more to the men's team than we are to the women's team? Um, And the reason they questioned that and questioned gender equality in football, and you have to understand, this is a radical question. Bear in mind, we're the only club in the world to, to split our resources equally between men and women. So it's pretty disruptive, shouldn't be, but is. Um, they ask that question because they have a different agenda and that agenda comes from the community ownership. So rather than we're a not-for-profit, so rather than making profit for private shareholders, we're actually trying to create value for community around us and look for issues that we can actually change through the vehicle of football for the communities around us. And they may not be people who already like football. They may be people who have been let's say accidentally, but it's not really accidentally, excluded from football for many years for one reason or another. Um, One of the examples of that is women. We'll come to that later. So the way the decision was made was a sort of noticing, an awareness, and then absolutely simply a decision. So directors, two directors stood, and they were men, two male directors stood up and they said, "Um, if you vote for us this this term, because an There's an elected term of three years. If you vote for us this next term, we will be introducing gender equality. So bear in mind that if you do vote for us, that's what will happen. And on that basis, they were voted in. And the whole board, um, you know, made the decision to split those resources equally. Uh, And that made international and national headlines. And before you know it, there was a massive buzz around the club. Uh, It's important to say that 
they raised the women's budget to meet the men's. So there was a cost involved, but they took a punt on that. And 2017, July, uh, that is what happened. And that's actually when I got involved because I wouldn't be involved in a football club um, unless there was a lot of meaning attached to it for me. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how it happened. And you asked about barriers and challenges. <laughs> and I suppose the biggest one was um, the economic one, the argument that critics did have, because most people said, that's amazing what you're doing. That's brilliant. Why didn't we think of it before? You know, hadn't thought about it. And um, but some people said, well, you shouldn't pay the women the same as the men because they don't get the same crowds as the men. And this is true, right? This is a, this is not a social justice argument, but it is an economic argument, right? If you're putting your sponsor on a shirt and you're only getting 100 people to come to the women's match, then the sponsor's not going to pay as much, are they? It just doesn't make sense. But what we, how we responded to that was, well, with putting equal marketing behind the women as well, because everyone concentrates on pay, but it's actually the fact that they play on the same pitch as the men, they get the same marketing as the men, they get the strength and conditioning, they get the analysis, they get the nutrition, everything, right? So if we put the same marketing behind and let people let people know that there's a match, <laughs> advertise it, talk about it, write it up afterwards, all the things that don't always happen with women's football, right? If we do that and we target some markets very carefully, and we did, um, then we can answer those critics who say we don't get the same crowds. And in two seasons, I'm very happy to tell you that not only were both first teams promoted, the men into the Isthmian League that they're in now and the women into the championship, the second highest tier of English women's football, but also we quadrupled the gate figure for the women's crowds. So it got to an average of 586. The men at that point had also improved their crowd to 610. And you could see that the figures were more or less aligned. So that's what happens when you actually um, put your, uh, your, your, is it your money where your mouth is? Your mouth where, you, yeah, your money where your mouth is. Yeah, that's what happened. So that's how we introduced it. And the main challenge was uh, critics who were basically saying they don't deserve it um, and getting over that challenge and uh, introducing a new market to women's football. Well, so much that came out of that. And I now uh, now really understand the impacts on the world. And what a fantastic story of community ownership and these 2,300 owners or 2,301, actually, Karen. There you are. Uh, now, I like your um, owner's hat, Jeremy. Yes, absolutely. And my pin. I'm a very proud owner. Um, part owner of Lewis uh, Football Club. And what a fantastic way, not just to engage the community, but clearly engage the ta- the teams in such an in, 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 you know exciting journey. It, it's had an impact on them for sure, how they've been promoted. And what you were talking about in terms of challenges, it just reminded me of uh, uh, men and men's and women's tennis and the debate that's been going on there as well, you know, over years and years, very, very similar. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the whole, the whole thing, it just takes, you know, it takes some courage for somebody to step forward and say, this is what we're going to be. There will be critics, but we're going to drive through that. And we're going to do those things that actually start to boost the game. And just one more thing before I bring Joe into this, because you mentioned before we came on air here, uh, that you've got a big game for the women's team against Liverpool coming up. So what's that going to do to you, Gates? Uh, well, we're hoping to set a record attendance, actually. Um, Lewis 
you know, is a relatively small club compared to Liverpool. It's a very small club compared to Liverpool. Let's be honest, Liverpool FC. Um, it says uh, Liverpool were relegated to our league last season, which tells you something about what Liverpool FC think about their women's team. I'll just leave that there. Um, but they're in our league. We're playing them on the 1st of May. We're hoping to set a crowd of over 2,000. When we played Manchester United in 2018, we got a crowd of 1,954. That was an excellent match. Um, Helen Pankhurst turned up to that, the, the great granddaughter of Emmeline Pankhurst, because we put Emmeline on our poster and uh, she did a little talk and we had great fun with Manchester United's Barmy Army. Um, but if we're asking people co to come to our match against Liverpool, which we should do on the 1st of May, kicks off at two o'clock, we should say that not only are you coming to an amazing football ground that's actually been voted the number one football ground to visit in a book that came out recently about Britain's 100 top grounds. You're also coming to a ground that has Prosecco on tap, that will have a feminist spoken word poet talking before the match, that has vegan uh, pies and milk as well as all the rest of the kind of pies and milk that you get. Uh, also sometimes has women's football chanting practice um, and things, you know, breastfeeding areas just a different kind of football ground that makes everybody welcome and not just half the population. And the reason that you should come, just carrying on now, I'm on, a, I'm on a roll. The reason that you should come is not just to watch the football, but it's to make a point. It's to take a stand. It's to do something about gender inequality. Because if you come and support women's football, what you're saying is that women aren't inferior to men, that they deserve equal fame and fortune on the football pitch as men. And that you, just by coming through our turnstile, have done something about that. So thanks for the chance to invite people to our match, Jeremy. That's okay. Well, you know, you, you I go back to something you said right at the very beginning about giving everybody a fair chance and making it a welcoming club for women and men and putting all of these things in place. Prosecco on tap is a new one on me, I have to say. Um, it just makes me so motivated about it. So great opportunity for me to bring back uh, Joe into this. So when you kind of observe this happening and the, the, the rest of the club's board and management's passion for making a difference, Joe, how did it galvanise you and your team and the dressing room to get behind the drive, uh, so particularly in the men's team? And what barriers did you have to break down to make progress? I think I must admit that it seems when I joined, I mean, I've been here a year now, you know, on the management side. I played for the club 18 years ago and it was a very different place then. So... With regards to breaking down barriers and the education of the men's team players, etc., very little, I must admit, because the 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 structure was already there. Um, what I found in both my professional career and football is that awareness is the most important thing. So, you know, when I first started in, by trade, I'm a, a technology recruiter, and many years into my career. I realised there was a huge issue around the gender pay gap. It wasn't something that was spoken of. It wasn't a you know an obvious you know two people doing the same job in the same business with the same number of years experience, one being paid you know one level and one being paid a huge amount less, and lo and behold, the person being paid less was a female. So 
having those conversations from the other side, you know, in, in the corporate world and having, dare I say it, very left-leaning tendencies and saying, well, how is this fair? This doesn't make sense to me. So it's a question I've often asked. So when we were speaking about joining, myself and Tony Russell, the first team manager, when we were speaking about joining the club and the, you know, there were a lot of conversations and emphasis around that equality piece. Now, for me, equality is hugely important. Diversity is, is hugely important. But the way that you achieve that is by being inclusive. I think that is a more important word. You know, the equality word is the word that we use as a club predominantly. But I think the most you know, fitting way to describe the club is that it's an inclusive club. And that, for me, is the most important thing. And that's great. And in fact, I've seen um, tweets from some of the players kind of talking about this as well uh, and quite actively on social media, which which is great. And I, I really get what you're saying there, uh, particularly when I put the lens of business on as well, that, that first that first element of awareness is so important. Then you're able to consider it, make a decision and act positively within that. And I really agree with you. We talk about equity, equality, diversity, and you've got to have that spirit and um, action and inclusion, which really makes it happen in there. So thanks for sharing that, Joe. And Karen, coming back to you and, and getting kind of into a little bit more detail here. Um, you have been outside of what you're doing specifically at Lewis. You've been calling for urgent action to tackle casual and intended misogyny that re- remains in uh, parts of football. And we we know that to be true, be it in the grassroots or through right up through to the Premier League and the National Leagues. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the hashtag call him out drive and how your staff and players are making a real difference in kicking casual discrimination and violence against uh, women and girls out. Well, the funny thing is that one thing leads to another, Jeremy, doesn't it? And once you introduce gender equality to football and make the ground and the matches and everything about it more inclusive, including you know, our, for example, our Twitter handles, we have Lewis FC men and Lewis FC women rather than just Lewis FC because the women's club, the women's team could get drowned within the men's team staff and et cetera, et cetera. So we try to make everything as inclusive as possible. Um, but what we have, when we started to welcome unwelcome women back to football, because let's just quickly mention that there was a 50-year ban on women's football in this country at a point where they were actually getting crowds higher than men's and you know some people listening may know about that but if they don't uh, please look up uh the history of women's football in this country and the 50-year ban when women were told that gynecologically it was bad for them to play football so they shouldn't play it and they were banned from FA pitches and training with FA affiliated coaches so when that ban was lifted in 1971 that had done a lot of damage and a lot of women thought football wasn't for them. And you could forgive them for thinking that because on the back of newspaper pages or on the TV, all you really saw, and it's largely the case today, uh, was reports on men's sports, men's football. So it seemed to be a sport for men. I mean, when I was growing up at school, the girls didn't play football, the boys played football. So um, what we had to do was welcome unwelcome women back to football 
And in doing that, we invited lots of women's groups and, and groups that empowered girls or women in some way to the dripping pan specifically and asked them to come in solidarity with the cause. And they did. And lo and behold, they enjoyed it and started to come back. Uh, so this group eventually became the Sisterships. And this is relevant because the Sisterships are a, a networking group associated with Lewis Football Club. So we mutually support each other. And in my impact on the world role, I, I have relationships with all of those groups. So we're talking about people like the Girls Network, RISE, the domestic abuse charity, Brighton Women's Centre, the police, the Sussex police have a he for she thematic scheme going on. We, we've got them. East Sussex Fire and Rescue want more female cadets. We've got them. Um, she Rebel Radio, uh, Thrive Women Business Group. We've got all. We've got 16 or so of them. And basically, I follow their social media accounts and we communicate a lot. We have an email group. And round about the time when there were these high profile uh, murders uh, and abuse and everything of um, women last year. So we're talking about Sarah Everard, Sabina Nessa and the sisters that were killed in King in Kingsbury, um, Nicole and Bieber. Uh, well, they were despairing. They were very upset and they were all the sisterships were kind of saying this has to stop. Enough is enough. When is this violence going to stop? And then when details emerged and the police were saying, well, you've got to hail down the bus or you've got to dress differently or go in only lighted areas. It was like, why is the onus on us? Why? Why isn't it on men to change? It's men who are perpetuating this violence. Why do we have to change our behavior? And they was we were all so upset. And I was thinking, but we're all talking to each other. It's like International Women's Day every day. We're talking to each other. There's no men involved here. And they're the ones that we need to take notice. And I thought, well, we've got a football. Hang on. We've got a football club here. There's a load of men there. And there's an amazing men's team. Because I'll tell you something about Lewis FC men. At the beginning of this season, they just said, we want to be met. And this is down to Joe and Tony as well, the managers. We want to be male allies. We want to step up. And anything that we can do, just let us know. So I had just a sort of chat with Joe and Tony, really. And they and we came up with Call Him Out. And that was about, um, in, so men taking responsibility and being accountable for little misogynistic behaviors or sexist behaviors that, that we all think are normal right because we're all in this soup together me too let me just say me too right uh so it's it's just about noticing them and understanding that they contribute to a culture where violence against women and girls has actually become normal and something for girls and women to worry about rather than men so what because these footballers that we've got Lewis FC men and, and do do follow them on on social media because there are some amazing guys in that team and they said we're going to make public pledges on Twitter and we're going to check in on ourselves and we're going to say that if we see or hear this language in the changing room or anywhere else we will call him out hashtag and anyone that wants to follow can follow and and say the same if they're a man and actually what's happened since Lewis FC men stood up and said this is that our town council in Lewis and our local Labour Party have passed motions for their male councillors and male members to hashtag call him out, which is incredible, right? It's, we, we hope to start a movement. But what we would like is more football clubs to actually take this up because those men are role models, you know. Those men are amazing role models. They're strong, powerful doing the stuff that little boys dream of. Um, so more footballers saying that they will call him out. 
would be awesome. That's how it so that's how it started. Well, I you know what's interesting is when you go back to some of the things you said, first of all, it's really about challenging that narrative of old and creating your new narrative for now alongside other sisterhoods, as, as you mentioned, and using the power of social media, uh, not just within your community, but also getting everybody involved. And you talk about male allyship, something that I'm very heavily involved in personally from a business perspective as well. I understand how important that is. And Joe, I think that is really kind of brings you back in um, to just change the lens slightly. So what does the hashtag call him out mean to you as a man, to the staff and to the players of the men's team? And how have you encouraged active, willing and passionate action behind this from the team? Yeah. And again, it sounds there hasn't been a lot of encouragement. There didn't need to be a lot of encouragement. I think when you consider you know, the, the matter of fact that, you know, all of these crimes against women, you know, you know the, the murder of those women last year, horrific. They were, as Karen mentioned, they're perpetuated by men and there's no getting away from that fact. So, you know, the issue often is, you know, particularly in social media, which is an interesting space to operate, um, you know, where you get all sorts of opinions, welcome or, or, or otherwise, a lot of men will come back saying, well, not all men. Well, we, well, we know that, you know, that, that makes sense, but it's not about, oh, it's not me. I'm not involved in it. It's what value can you add by ensuring that, you know, Karen and I spoke about this yesterday. You know, you leave a train station late at night, you know, a lady gets off the train at the same time as you. You're walking in the same direction. Now, 10 years ago, I would have had my headphones in. I'd have been walking home. I would have caught her up, gone past her. I wouldn't have fought twice. What I would do now is I would ensure that I make enough noise along that street so that she knows that I'm there. Then I would cross over or I would make a telephone call to somebody that I know, a normal chit chat. She's fully aware where I am and what I'm up to and what my sort of, you know, what I'm aiming to do, which is to get home. Now, just having that level of understanding is really important. Um, you know, and, and again, having daughters of my own and listening to, you know, the use of language, you know, you know, describing a, a young, assertive woman as bossy. You know, these microaggressions start really, really early on in a female's life and they're not noticeable. But over time, they chip, chip, chip away. So. Look, in terms of getting behind the movement, it was easy. It was, you know, an instant. With regards to getting the men's team players involved, it was a choice. It wasn't something that was forced upon them. It was myself and Tony and the management team and the rest of the leadership. We're attaching ourselves to this because we believe it to be something really important and an opportunity for us to make a difference in a time where, you're reading disgusting reports in the newspapers or online every day. So the boys jumped at that. There wasn't one of them that felt uncomfortable with the messaging. There wasn't one of them that you know really didn't want to put their weight behind it. Um, you know, it speaks volumes about the club. It speaks volumes about them as individuals. And for me, it's a no brainer. I don't see 
why something like this should be um, unusual, which is why, you know, Karen mentioned, you know, why would other clubs not be involved in this? I, I really don't know. And I mean, that's a question for them. Um, but they should be asking themselves this because if we can get behind it and where, you know, there are professional footballers in role model positions, they have the opportunity to really affect positive change now. So, you know, I would implore them to get behind this and really, you know, send the right message out to, to, to both, you know, young men and women um, that these things are not acceptable and it can't continue like this. You're absolutely right. And both of you kind of well said around that as well. And the, the, the horrific violence that her, that we've seen, as you so rightly pointed out over the last 18 months uh, against women, just can't go on. And uh, men have to be part of the solution as much as being part of the problem in cases as well. And what you're doing here in terms of getting everybody involved getting that level playing field really does start to affect that positive change, doesn't it? I'm really getting that message coming through both of you. Um, it's it's almost an inclusive and equitable approach to change as well. And people on the same pitch, if you like, um, making sure that they're reinforcing the key messages and the more people that are shouting it, the better. And particularly, I think, in the game, um, the the football machine, if you like, is that having the men's team so actively and passionately involved, Joe, as you've been talking about, uh, must must at least raise the awareness and start people questioning where they are and how they want to get involved. Is that what you're finding from when you're getting feedback outside, Joe, just to, just to sort of clarify that point? Are you getting actually kind of the, the message coming back in? Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing it. Yeah, I think I mentioned before we started recording that, you know, when I start having conversations about my involvement in the club and people dig a little bit deeper and obviously, you know, I tell them about some of the initiatives that we're, you know, we're, we're currently championing that you know, it, it really, um, it really grabs people's attention because it's not just about, you know, you know, the bolt onto that is, you know, both the men's and the women's team at the moment are performing well in their, uh, in their leagues as well. But that's the, the nice to have part. You know, actually, the you know what we stand for, and you know the differences that we're trying to affect is what really resonates um, when I'm having those conversations with people. Wow, that's absolutely fantastic! And coming back to what you were saying, Karen, as well, is that in fact you're going um, beyond the locker room, beyond Lewis FC, beyond the football machine as a whole, and you're starting to impact politics, the community as a whole. So where are you setting, setting your targets next, Karen? I, yeah, I will answer that. I just want to say as well that, um, it wouldn't be anything without the football. Okay. It's so important to say that if we weren't doing well on the pitch, we wouldn't have that platform for these messages, right? So the two things have to go, they'd like twin, they have to work hand in hand. Um, and, and to answer the question, like we, we, as I said, we use football as a vehicle for social change, but the football is a football club. So the football is extremely important. It would be nothing without football. And football has so much power over hearts and minds all around the world, right? So if we harness that power through the football matches, then we can make better change. Because what, what we're really trying to do is change culture all the time. 
you know that's why it's hard and that's why it takes time season after season after season we've got to a point now where the men's team are amazing and really standing up that wouldn't have happened a few seasons ago you know so it really is it's it I feel like we're it's a big deal and where we're setting our sights now to um, answer your question properly is um I suppose our our main campaigning at the moment coming from the gender equality side is the FA Cup prize. So we would like an equal FA Cup prize for men and women. Um, We have been campaigning about this for a few years now. Uh, At the point we started campaigning, the men were winning, I think, 3.6 million for winning the FA Cup and the women were getting 1.25,000. That was when we started campaigning. Then they split the men's in half to 1.8 million. And now they've raised the women's cup prize by a few million. But what we actually want is absolutely equal FA Cup prize fund prizes. And we've made two models whereby um, smaller men's clubs, teams and women's teams would benefit a lot more because at the moment all the money goes to the top Premier League clubs, which for them it's a drop in the ocean, right? But for us or for any smaller clubs or women's teams, um, it would be transformational. So we don't think that the FA Cup prize, uh, the FA Cup prize is very uh, fair at the moment. And if it really is for all, then they should look at the. Anyone listening can look at the two models that we've put out very clearly on our website to make a more even distribution and make it more equal. And um, they can actually put their football club in and work out where it would be um, under one of our two models which is a really interesting exercise and most people find that they'd be better off, right? So um, that, that's, a, that's one way that we're campaigning. Another thing that we're doing, apart from call him out, obviously, which we'd like, as I say, we'd like to start a movement of that, even like across the, across the seas. That would be great because uh, lo and behold, gender inequality appears to be everywhere. Um, is it, the other thing is the anti-gamblification of football, Jeremy. And I don't know if you know about that, but we, we're certainly very big on that um, at Lewis FC. Uh, we support Carga and the Big Step because we think it's absolutely shameful that so many big clubs wear gambling uh, logos on their shirts and are sponsored by betting companies um, because of our because we're principled and because we uh, we report back to our owners who are all of our communities. Um, We've turned down betting companies' sponsorship. Uh, we don't. We don't think it's good to introduce betting just to to young people, to young boys and girls, especially as something fun to do and associate it with their favourite sport. It's wrong, and we know of terrible stories. In fact, um, uh, Joe will tell you that our goalie on the men's side, Lewis Carey, is very passionate about this and talks about his own addiction that he's overcome. Um, so, yeah, the anti-gamblification of football is a big one for us. We're campaigning on that. And I would say the other thing that we really want to do and that you can help us with, Jeremy, and maybe the people listening and watching right now can help with is get more owners because we'd like to become the most owned club first in England and then in the world. Now, we need to get we've got to, just over 2,300 at the moment. We need to get to 4,000 to be the most owned in the in England and then we need to beat Barcelona. Well done. Looks very nice. That's South Downs Green, by the way. Anyone that comes to visit uh, the Dripping Pan, uh, we play in red and black, but our owners get special South Downs Green hats because 
from our ground, you can see the beautiful South Downs of Sussex. Very lovely. In a national park we are. So, um, so yeah, we'd like more owners. Sign up. It's £50 to become an owner. It's very easy to do on the website. And also tell people about what we do. Get behind us, you know. If you know anyone that's a philanthropist that wants to help us, all our money will go into gain quality and campaigning. If we can get into the Super League with the women, get into leagues with the men, we'll have those bigger platforms and people will never be able to say that it's wrong or uneconomic or uncool to be inclusive because we'll have proved them wrong. So help us do that. <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do. A few things that I, I can't agree more with you around the anti-gambling stance as well, as well as the broader actions that you're taking. Um, and yes, let's get people involved. We'll make sure on screen in the last few minutes of the screen there are links so people can get involved find out more become owners of the club um and uh particularly just coming what maybe a final question for you joe coming into that because i think you both mentioned that you know this is going beyond the club's walls now um and maybe an interesting question though is that based on the size of your club versus the size of some other clubs why this isn't happening more and more so how can how can your team Joe, who have been so active as advocates for the changes and the 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 policies that you've introduced at Lewis FC, how can you continue to shout louder outside of Lewis FC walls into the wider game to get more of the big clubs involved? Yeah, it's an interesting point. And I think, look, without getting too deeply into it, I think when you look at... Um, affecting change when it comes to representation. Um, you know, it's a really important, when you look at organisations, whether that's corporate organisations, and you're trying to have diversity and affect change within them, you have to look at the leadership and you have to look at, so for example, if you look at Lewis and you look at the directors, it's a diverse group of people. You know, and they're, they're, There are men and women within that group as well and, and people from different socioeconomic backgrounds and ethnicities that's crucial when you look at the makeup of some of these larger you know look at boardrooms as a whole there will be a common theme running throughout that demographic so i think it's about you know first and foremost that representation it's about um, somebody in a position of of influence or power uh, to be able to stand up and stand for this. So it, it really does start at the very top. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, coming in at the ground level doesn't help. So as Karen mentioned, you know, those two men, you know, in 2010 standing up and saying, look, by the way, you know, if I do manage to, to make it as a director, the change that I will make will be to ensure that the men's and the women's team are paid equally Right. This, these are the reverberations of, of those decisions by firstly, the people to elect them. And secondly, for them to, to stand by their, their promises, um, which you know, is, is an amazing concept in this day and age, right? People being elected for a promise they make and sticking by it. So I think for me, that's where the change can be really effective the most is by those people that are, you know, making these, um, those big promises sticking to them right and that that gives me an opportunity just to replay a few of the the words the phrases that have come out so making promises and delivering promises 
giving people a fair chance, you know, setting the club up as a fair chance, involving communities and the world, as we've heard as well, uh, in terms of the the ownership, Um, equitable and inclusive, as well as being welcoming as well, challenging the narratives of the old or the traditional narratives and creating your own with more people involved, getting everybody involved, leveraging the power of social media to heighten awareness change the culture you both talked about that really in fact i think you talked about transformation and maybe in parts that's what what is needed change embedding the change once you've transformed is the real key to do that um so that you're impacting everybody and with what you're doing at lewis fc to get to almost shame more bigger football clubs to get involved and start shouting way more loudly than they are and do what you're doing out there to to drive this sense of fairness uh, but also as you talked about the male allyship which is so important on the journey there um and and of course as you you know just to reinforce what you said as well karen it's really important that the investment continues so that you've got the game quality as well as the campaigning running hand in hand success on the pitch success off the pitch look both of you thank you so much for joining uh, me for this fantastic discussion and Karen, just a quick one for people that just want to take a quick look. What are some of the links or where should they go to get in touch and continue the discussion? Well, uh, follow us on Twitter at Lewis FC Men and at Lewis FC Women. Instagram is the same at Lewis FC Men and at Lewis FC Women. If you're on LinkedIn, it's at Lewis Football Club. Uh, Facebook is Lewis FC Men and Lewis FC Women. And our website is lewisfc.com. Our website is amazing by the way do go and have a look there because there's a lot of news there and once you become an owner of course you get the owner's app and you've got an app and you can attend our I think there are about five weekly town halls um, as in every five weeks not five a week and you can ask any questions of the directors and different people that work at the club Uh, uh, in fact I think we've got one tomorrow and our head of performance Kelly Lindsay is going to be speaking at that about what you know how she's her football strategy and how she works. So that should be amazing. Fantastic. And we'll make sure all of these are on the screen um, as people are watching this uh, for those and for those tuning in. Take note. Joe, Karen, thank you so much. It's been fabulous. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for joining our Guest Practices videocast. Please do subscribe to our YouTube channel through the link below or check out our website to access more in our current series of expert interviews.